Greetings, Nexus Church family online. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you are a first-time listener today or viewer, it's an honor that you would join us. And we are so excited for what God has for us today in our worship service. Today we will begin with one song to prepare us for the message that will be delivered. And then we will close down the service with a song of reflection And so we will open up today in a word of prayer, and then we will go right into our worship set. Father, thank you so much for today. I thank you for those who are listening, Father. I pray that you will speak to their minds and their hearts, God, that you will be right now preparing them, God, for what you have. And I thank you, God, that you're a living God. You're a God that cares. You're a God that loves each and every one of us. And so as we go into this time of worship, as we sing this song, may you be glorified and may you do a great work in each viewer's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. 
Hallelujah. Make a little noise in this place this morning. Praise you, Lord. Welcome back, Nexus Church family online. Thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, today we are in our first week in our series that I've entitled Family Force 5. What in the world? How did I get to that title, you're probably thinking? Well, this message series is really based around five core values that I believe Every family should have, whether it's your biological family or work family, church family, I believe that these five foundational elements, if you want to call them, or foundations, uh, are very crucial. And today we are taking a look at really what it's all based on. Any relationship, whether it's a family, work, church, anything in society, your relationships must be based on trust. And of course, if you are going to be a trustworthy person, you have to have your trust in something. Everybody has a base somewhere in life. And we believe as the church of Jesus Christ that our foundation of trust must be in Jesus. Well, as you're well aware, trust is a hard thing to define. In this world, we understand that there's not a whole lot that we can put our trust in. Trust is so hard to find. Now, many of you have been let down before. Probably everybody who is listening or watching today has been let down in their life, right? It could be a parent. It could have been a teacher. It could have been an employer. It could have been a pastor or a church, reality is, every single one of us has had our trust broken. It's easy to do. We're humankind. You see, Proverbs 11.3 says that once your relationships are kind of broken in their trust, they are shattered. They are destroyed. And the proverb says in 11.3, those who do what is right are guided by their honest lives. But those who aren't faithful are destroyed by their lies. You see, trust not only affects your relationship with others, it affects your relationship with God. And so here's the dilemma, right? We have this issue. Every single one of us has had our trust broken. Every single one of us has the ability to break the trust of others. It's a two-way street. We break trust. Others break our trust. And then add to it, when trust 
is lost, our relationships are lost, both with others in human form and our relationship with God is destroyed. And we see this so perfectly clear in the Bible in the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And I realize some of you have never heard that story before. That's, a, that's something like, what in the world is that? Those are two people in the Bible who lived in the time of the very first church. And so we have Jesus who goes to be with the Father, and then he leaves behind all of his followers. And we have this new church. And in it, we have a bunch of people who are giving up their livelihoods for the betterment of the group. And so people continually are selling their property, giving it to the whole church, and they're, in, in a sense, living in this commune or this kind of socialistic kind of life. They're all giving up everything so everybody can be equal. It's a beautiful thing when done right. And so Ananias and Sapphira were two people, a husband and a wife, who lived at this time. And in Acts chapter 5, we read of a story of how... Unfortunately, they weren't truthful. And now, let me tell you, when you're not truthful, trust is broken. Lies and broken trust go hand in hand. And here we have a story of a couple who are not trustworthy. And so Acts chapter 5 verse 1 says, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. There was nothing wrong with that, by the way. They could have done that, right? There was nobody forcing them to give all the proceeds from the sale of their land to the church or to God. Ananias, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? You have not lied to people, but to God. Ultimately, trust was broken between he and God, as well as his wife. When he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead, and a great fear came on all who heard. The young man got up, wrapped his body, carried him out, and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Tell me, Peter asked her, did you sell the land for this price? Yes, she said, for that price. Then Peter said to her, why did you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. And ultimately, she dies as well. Whoa. Whoa. What a crazy story. Like, this is portraying what happens when trust is broken between us and God and us and others. Ultimately, it destroys our relationship between us and others, whether it's God or people. It destroys it. And this is a great picture of how graphic that is. We don't always see it, but when we either lie or don't do what we have said, 
whatever the case may be, how trust is broken between you and others or how others have broken your trust. When that is broken, death occurs between you and that person. Relationships are destroyed. And so how can we be trustworthy? We understand that trust is hard to find in this day and age. We understand how, how much it destroys us as people. But how can we become trustworthy? How can we be that person? We can't control other people, but we sure can become trustworthy. How do we do that? How do we, as Proverbs eleven three stated, be guided by honest lives? How do we do that? Well, I believe ultimately to become trustworthy, we have to fully comprehend. We have to get this in our hearts. We have to get this in our spirits that God is ultimately trustworthy, that we can trust Him. I believe that when we are grounded in God, and as we will see in the Bible, when we are grounded in who God is and what He's done for us, when we, when we establish our identity in Him and we are confident in Him, we will do what we are about. And we will become confident in knowing that God will take care of us. And so I believe that when we do that, we will be strong and we will become trustworthy and we won't break anyone's trust. And we see a beautiful example of what it means to trust God and to be trustworthy, to be, in, in essence, to be an honest person. You know, honesty goes hand in hand with trust, just like lying goes hand in hand with breaking trust. We see this in the Bible in Numbers chapters 22 through 24. We see a, a powerful example of a man who comes to trust in God, the God of Israel at this time, and he is radically confident in this God. And his name is Balaam. Now, I understand that some people probably haven't heard of this story before, so I want to go back and establish why this man was so powerful. You see, in the Old Testament, we read of God's people, the Israelites. They, for whatever reason, because of one man, God chose them to be his people. Now, there's a lot that goes into it, but suffice it to say, they were God's people, and God had a special land for them. It, they called the promised land. Unfortunately for them, they didn't get to stay there for very long before they were sold into slavery. They were kind of soldiering, going through the land, sorting things out, and then they get sold into slavery. They become slaves in a land of Egypt for hundreds of years. God frees them from slavery in Egypt, and he brings them to the promised land. And he is radically giving them the land. Everybody who was living there was their enemies, in a sense, and were trying to keep them from coming into this promised land. They wouldn't let them in. And so God just comes in and fights for the Israelites in many cases and wins all these battles. 
one particular king known as Balak. He was a, a king of Moab. He hears about this, and he's like, this is not looking good for my land. I've got to figure out a way to stop them from coming. And so he hears of this, this false prophet that doesn't believe in any God of Israel. This is a false prophet who proclaims things from a wrong place, an evil place. And so he lives up farther away in another land. And so he sends his people, the king, Balak, sends his people to Balaam and says, I've heard that you are a prophet. And when you say things, things happen. He's doing it out of evil spirit and things were happening. This was not a good thing, but he was producing good results that this king wanted. And he figured that if he were to get Balaam to come down and do this this blessing of evil over these people, the Israelites would be stopped and Balak and his Moabites would be safe. And so he summons them and they come to Balaam. And as they are approaching Balaam, Balaam has this dream at night and God speaks to him like as clear as can be. You must not go with them. Clearly, Balaam is startled by this, and he's like, I cannot do this. Whatever's going on here, this is crazy. The, the God of, of Israel is speaking to me, and I am not in any way going to proclaim anything that would curse them. Because he knew the ramifications of that. And so he says, I can't go. No matter what you do, no matter how much you give me, I will not go. And so the messengers go back to Balak, give the report. He's not happy. He sends them once again. And Balaam's like, all right, I, I guess I got to go. I'm not going willingly, but I will go with you. And so he gets up and he goes with them. And then comes this powerful story in Numbers chapter 22. Verse 22, and I want to read it to you, and if you want to follow along in your Bibles, this is such a, a powerful story. Some of you may have heard this before, but Balaam has an encounter on the way on his donkey. It's a powerful example of how God is speaking to a man. And though he might not speak to you in this way, God is still speaking to you today and asking you, what are you doing? So let's read. Numbers chapter 22, verse 22 says, But God was incensed. He was not happy that Balaam was going. And the angel of the Lord took his stand on the path to oppose him. So as Balaam's going to be with Balak, the angel of the Lord is standing in the middle of the road. Balaam was riding his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing on the path with a drawn sword in his hand, she turned off the path and went into the field, right? She's getting away as far as she can. Balaam clearly is not seeing the same angel that the donkey is. So Balaam hit her to return her to the path. And then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow passage between the vineyards with a stone wall on either side. The donkey saw the angel of the Lord and pressed herself against the wall, squeezing Balaam's foot against it. So he hit her once again. 
the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn to the right or the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she crouched down under Balaam. So he became furious and beat the donkey with his stick. Then, this is only something that you would read in the Bible, right? Like, this is awesome. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and she asked Balaam, What have I done to you that you have beaten me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey. I'm surprised he wasn't, like, knocked out here. You made me look like a fool. I have a sword in my hand. I'd kill you now. But the donkey said, Am I not the donkey you've ridden all your life until today? Have I ever treated you this way before? No, he replied. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the path with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam knelt low and bowed in worship on his face. The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? Look, I came out to oppose you because I considered what you are doing to be evil. He didn't, God never asked Balaam to curse Israel. He told him, don't go. And so he was going to kill him for being disobedient. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If she had not turned from me, I would have killed you by now and let her live. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. For I did not know that you were standing in the path to confront me. And now, if it is evil in your sight, I will go back. <sighs> he had an encounter with God. And he was willing to do whatever God asked him. Then the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but you are to say only what I tell you. So Balaam went to the officials. Balaam, in that instant, at least this is my belief, he understood and he trusted God in that moment, the God of Israel. He had a massive encounter, and probably nobody has ever had quite the encounter like that through a donkey, but he knew God at that moment. And not only did he trust in the God of Israel, he was obedient to him as we will see even more clear in a moment. See, like Balaam, in order to become trustworthy, in order to have that, 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 that core in us that people can trust, we must trust God. Why is the world we live in in the state that it's in? Because nobody can trust anyone anymore. Everybody's in it for their own good, for their own betterment. Trust is so crucial for our society to be healthy, to be growing. And any relationship that isn't based on trust is not worth having. We must have trust. So, Balaam goes to be with Balak. Balak tries multiple times to convince him. He goes to different places and shows them the people of Israel. And multiple times, 
He says, curse them. And each time, Balaam says, no. I cannot curse what God has not given me the authority to curse. And then we get to chapter 24, verse 10. After all these times of trying to persuade Balaam to curse Israel, Balak does one last time. And then Balaam rejected it. At that, then Balak became furious with Balaam, struck his hands together and said to him, I summon you to put a curse on my enemies, but instead you have blessed them these three times. Now go to your home. I said I would reward you richly, but look, the Lord has denied your reward. What kind of power play is that? I was going to give you all the riches that you could stand. After Balaam told him every single time, I don't want your money. I'm not here to be bought by your money. I am trusting, and I will only say what God tells me to say. <laughs> and so he thinks that this last little power play is going to get Balaam to change his mind. Like, I'm going to send you back without anything. Your time was wasted. Balaam answered, Balak, didn't I previously tell you, tell you and tell the messengers you sent me, if Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go against the Lord's command or do anything good or bad of my own will. I will say whatever the Lord says. Wow. That is the kind of trust that God is looking for. I will only do what God says. Let me tell you, when your trust is that confident that no matter what your outcome, God will have your back. Even if it means your head's going to get chopped off by the enemy, you will only do what God says to do. Are you willing to take a stand? Are you willing to tell the truth no matter if it costs you your job? your friends, your family. How many missionaries have we heard of that have taken the stand and lost everything, even their own life, because they knew that no matter what, they would never, ever stop preaching Jesus as the only way to heaven, the only way to free us from eternal punishment. You see, when we have trust, that kind of trust, that it cannot be bought no matter what, we have become trustworthy. We don't have to worry about what we do or what we don't do. We know that everything we do lines up with Jesus. And when it lines up with Jesus and when we're confident that we're being obedient to Him, we will become trustworthy. Proverbs 3, 5, popular verse that many people love says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. All your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Do you trust that God has the best plans for your life? Do you? Have you really given Him 
everything? I, I, I don't think anybody ever will fully give all of their life to Jesus. I think there's, it's a process that, that we'll never fully get to. I, I'm not here to, to criticize anybody because I'm like you. <laughs> I'm still in that process of giving God everything, of trusting him in every area of my life, whether it's finances or family, whether it's the job at church, whatever it is, we're all in that process. But the, the point is, is are you in that process or are you holding back and just coasting? Because either you're gaining trust or you're losing trust in life. There's really no middle ground. There's no plateauing. You're either gaining trust and saying, yes, God, I'm letting you have this, or you're kind of creeping back in and saying, I'm going to take a little bit more of that. God wants all of your life. And when he says, I want you to do that, would you willingly do that? Would you be obedient? Will you act upon that trust? I love how Francis Chen put it. He says, God doesn't call us to be comfortable. Or you could say, God doesn't call us to coast or plateau. He calls us to trust him so completely, that process of letting go and letting him control, that we are unafraid to put ourselves in situations where we will be in trouble if he doesn't come through. He wants us to be in situations where we're going to be in trouble if he doesn't come through. Like, that's radical trust. Like, you're putting yourself in a place where, God, if you don't take care of this, we're going to lose it all. That's radical trust. That's the trust that runs around and proclaims that Jesus is truly Lord. That is where your faith just isn't a bunch of words. It's actions. It's actions. So the question is, what does that look like for you today? Right? We're all on different paths. We're all on a different place in life. So what is that for you? Where are you controlling? For some today, I realize you're starting off this, this walk with God and you're not really sure what you even think about that. The first step for you today is would you consider Jesus? Would you just consider him? What is this Jesus all about? What is the Bible? Maybe you need to pick up a Bible and and just start reading the book of John. The book of John is about three-quarters of the way through the Bible. Just pick it up and read the story of who Jesus is. Who is he? And once you understand who he is, that he truly is the Son of God who came on earth and lived a perfect life and, and died for us, we're all sinners. We've all made mistakes. I think we can all agree on that. We're all humans, and we all do bad things sometimes. When we can establish that there is no other way to heaven, as John 14, 6 says, that Jesus is the only way. He lived a perfect life. He died for us. He didn't need to die because he lived a perfect life. But that he didn't stay dead. He rose and he conquered death. And now because of him, if we believe that he truly is God and that he died for us, if you truly believe that, if you pr truly tr put your trust in him as the only way to have eternal life in heaven with him, 
you will be saved. That's the first step. So if that's you today, I encourage you to send a personal message through Messenger or contact the church at our, our phone number, 218-681-4716. Call us. Text. Let us know that you're on this process. You want to know more. What does it mean to trust Jesus? And then for some of you, you've put your trust in Jesus. And the question I have is, what area of your life, what area of your life do you need to let go of and let him have control of? Maybe it's your professional life. Maybe it's your family life. Maybe it's school. Whatever it is, God asks us to be trustworthy. And that begins with trusting Him in every area. If we can't trust Him, I don't believe we're trustworthy because He is the ultimate foundation for trust. He never fails. And when we are putting ourselves in line with Him, we will become trustworthy. And listen to what Psalm 910 says. It says, those who know your name, who understand, okay, this is who Jesus is, and trust in you. See, there's a trust. Those who know your name, trust in you. If you truly know him, you're going to trust him because he, you, it's Jesus, is not abandon those who seek you. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. See, maybe today you're on the fence with giving him an area of your life, or maybe you're just on the fence of giving him your life in the first place. I'm here to tell you today, based on Psalm 9, 10, he will not abandon you. It might be a risky thing to put your faith in him. For some people, when they put their trust in Jesus, that costs them their family. That costs them their life. But when they do that, their eternity is stamped forever in heaven with the Father, where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more hatred. They're in the presence of God, full of joy, peace, comfort so know today that he will not abandon you let's end in a word of prayer as we go into this last song father i pray for those who are listening god that you call us to be trustworthy everybody desires to know people who are trustworthy. Oh God, to have a land, a nation that is filled with people who are trustworthy, God. How beautiful that would be. And so Father, I'm asking right now that you would create in everybody listening a spirit that trusts you more. Because when we trust you more, we will become trustworthy. I pray that over everybody today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next time. All the poor.